Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, a little bit more coaching staff news to talk about here on the set today, and that is because the Packers and new head coach Matt LaFleur make it official this week. Offensive coordinator for the 2019 Packers will be Nathaniel Hackett, most recently from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why don't you give us the brief rundown on Mr. Hackett? Yeah, what's interesting, Mike, and you wrote this better than anybody, our five uh, things on the website right now introducing the Packers fan base to their new offensive coordinator. It's interesting how these things work at times because Nathaniel Hackett, the son of Paul Hackett, a mentor for Mike McCarthy, uh, in another disciple, the, that Bill Welsh uh, coaching tree. Yeah, that West Coast offense. The West Coast scheme tree, that yep. he did. And now he's here in Green Bay, 39 years young, same exact age as Matt LaFleur. Uh, at this point in time, haven't had to get an official comment yet from LaFleur as far as what his thinking was here with his first official outside hire. Uh, but when you look at his resume, where he's been, I think the exciting thing is is that he's accomplished some stuff with quarterbacks that aren't quite at the level of Aaron Rodgers. And, and seeing yeah. now with him getting a chance to work with someone like that, some fresh ideas coming into this building and what that partnership's going to be like, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's interesting. You want to go down uh, a rabbit hole, so to speak. You start looking at all these coaching connections and how small a world this can be. Paul Hackett at the University of Pittsburgh when Mike McCarthy really gets his first big break into coaching back in the, I believe it was 1989, the late mm -hmm. 1980s. Paul Hackett was the uh, was the head coach at that time for Pitt. And uh, now here we are basically 20 years later and Paul Hackett's son is the offensive coordinator for the head coach who's replacing Mike McCarthy yeah. in Green Bay. So go figure. It's one of those things, and, and there are all kinds of connections like that. That's why I said throughout. in an in inbox when someone asked about how many uh, former head coaches' kids oh. are in the league, I'm like, man, there's too many there, to count. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a league, and it's a game where you're going to see a lot of those bloodlines. Yeah, it's a, it's a small world, certainly. But when you look at Nathaniel Hackett, what stands out the most is obviously his work with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017. Obviously, that is a team that made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. And many would say, if not for a somewhat inadvertent early whistle on a fumble play, they might have beaten the New England Patriots and yeah. gone to the Super Bowl last year. But with Blake Bortles and a rookie running back in Leonard Fournette in 2017 with Jacksonville, the Jaguars had one of the best offenses in the league. I believe it was fifth, is it fifth in points and sixth in yards? Correct. Um, and the number one rushing offense in the league. They certainly leaned on their rookie running back in Fournette considerably there. Things didn't go as well in 2018. Uh, the reports were a lot of regression from Blake Bortles. He wasn't living up to his standards. Obviously, injuries can affect anybody. Um, Nathaniel Hackett ends up getting uh, uh, relieved of his duties there in Jacksonville, but it sounds like Matt LaFleur is pretty excited to bring um, another, I guess I would say, fairly young up-and-coming coach on board. Yeah, I think so. And in looking at where he's come from and, and the road he's taken to get here, it's also interesting we were talking about how how small the coaching circles can be. Well, look at the fact that Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator for the Bills in 2013. Who was the defensive coordinator that year for Buffalo? Mike Pett. <laughs> so, I mean, it just goes to show you that, you know, these relationships that you build over the course of time and, and then getting those opportunities – the thing that I like, though, uh, looking at this scenario now is you, you see LaFleur coming from being the play caller 
uh, in Tennessee, Hackett getting the chance to do those sort of things with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And obviously, as we both mentioned, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the head coach or wasn't the you know the quarterback for either of those teams. But what they did with the running game to set things up for their passing game, that's why the Jaguars ultimately were able to get as far as they did last year. Absolutely. Was with having Leonard Fournette being able to develop that and play off that. And then you look and see the success that the Titans had during, down the stretch this season. It was Derrick Henry uh, right. opening that door. So I think that's going to be one of the big hallmarks of this duo. Uh, and, and it's obviously going to be a big point of emphasis for any head coach, any offensive coordinator to establish the run. But you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and being able to get those guys going to make Aaron Rodgers' life easier. Mike, how many times have I said over the last three years of doing this show when you look back to Aaron Rodgers' strongest seasons, he's always had a complimentary running back or, or just somebody that can make impact plays out of the backfield. I think the Packers have that, and it's going to be up to Hackett and LaFleur to get the most out of that. I think that is the most interesting part of this, as as we're going to see and obviously talk plenty about the uh, the evolution of this Packers offense and where it's going. When you look at what Hackett did with Fournette in Jacksonville, you look at what Matt LaFleur did with Derrick Henry in Tennessee – Packers have Aaron Jones. They have Jamal Williams. Maybe they'll add some others this uh, this off season to that depth chart at running back. We'll have to see. I I think that's a very interesting um, part of this as uh, as we follow it moving forward with regards to the running game. The other thing I'll say, and this is interesting because I saw the question in Insider Inbox. I believe you were the one who answered it on your day. There was a fan who wrote in and said, you know. A lot of Packers fans are are kind of on edge, a little bit disappointed or upset that you know Matt Lafleur is coming from Tennessee with an offense that was ranked in the 20s, and now Nathaniel Hackett's coming yeah. from the Jaguars after being relieved of his duties midseason in 2018. But if you actually go back a year, Nathaniel Hackett with what he did in Jacksonville in 2017, and then Matt Lafleur as Sean McVay's offensive coordinator with right. the Rams in 2017. If this were a year ago, these would have been two of the most talked about offensive candidates to uh, to move up or to move on in their NFL careers. So this is what the Packers are banking on, essentially that uh, that both of these guys are. Um, are going to be able to uh, to continue what they had done in the past and that the rankings and just the flat-out numbers of 2018 obviously don't reflect the types right. of coaches that they are. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember, too, in this business, uh, very rarely are you going to find a coach at any level that has escaped you know, being fired at some point in time. <laughs> They're hired to get fired. I mean, that's the that's the old saying, right? Bill Belichick fell into that. Andy Reid experienced it with Philadelphia after he had built all that. Even I think the story always is of Sean Payton uh, and where things were heading with the Giants when he got hired away, you know, whether or not he would have been there long term. That's just the way this game goes, and there's so much parody, sometimes it's inescapable. So I think the important thing, uh, when you look specifically, not that Lafleur has been well, he has been on that side of it. If you go back to Washington, yeah. But now with Hackett, is trusting yourself, trusting your principles, trusting your system, and being able to implement that in a new place. Uh, this is going to be a really important off season, and you know, in the next couple of weeks here, Matt Lafleur will be finalizing that coaching staff. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of back and forth conversations with Hackett, with Mike Pettin, whoever comes in as their special teams coordinator, to figure out what that is going to look like. But once that staff is finalized, you and I have been around this long enough. Mike, 
they're going to be spending two months developing that playbook. They're going to be spending time getting those players, getting their preparation ready for when the players get back in the building on April 1st. Because it is. The Packers haven't experienced an offseason like this in the new CBA environment right. uh, of being able to you know, change up this, the head coaching you know, stint and, and look at a new program here in Green Bay. So I think for Nathaniel Hackett, again, without having spoken to him at this point in time, you have to imagine he's energized by this idea of working with Aaron Rodgers, challenging Aaron Rodgers, and trying to get this Packers offense back on track. Yeah, Alrighty. Um Quickly, Wes, here before I forget, the powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the, try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, you said it, Wes. There's a lot of uh, machinations here to figure out with regards to how this coaching staff is going to come together, but I think it's worth mentioning one assistant coach here in particular who has left Green Bay after a very long and prosperous tenure. He has moved on to the Cleveland Browns. I'm talking about longtime offensive line coach James Campen. And for those who don't know Coach Campen's uh, full story, first of all, as a player, he was a center for the Green Bay Packers. And if you look back in, uh, in 1992, when Brett Favre, began his consecutive start streak, that NFL record that I don't think will ever be broken. Yeah. Um, when he began that consecutive start streak at quarterback in Green Bay in 1992, his center was James Campen. Um, fast forward from there to 2004, James Campen returns to Green Bay as an assistant coach on Mike Sherman's staff. He's with Coach Sherman for the final two years of his tenure and then for the entirety of Mike McCarthy's tenure. Um, starting out as an assistant offensive line coach and then taking over as the offensive line coach in 2007 when Joe Philbin was promoted to offensive coordinator. And uh, boy, 15 years as an assistant coach in one place, that doesn't happen very often in this league. And I can't say enough about what a great guy James Campen is, let alone a very, very accomplished football coach. It's interesting because now with his new title uh, with the you know Cleveland Browns, he's associate head coach, uh, offensive line coach, and you know, and there's so many different ways to rise up the ranks. You know, you, you look at what Matt LaFleur has done, you know, being a quarterback driven type coach and, and being able to go from one spot to another and kind of have that gradual incline. What's interesting about James Campen's story is he basically became a high school coach. Uh, once his playing career was done, he was settled out, I believe it was in California, and then he got an opportunity to come to Green Bay, and he started from the bottom to get where he's at today over the last 15 years. Yep. The thing that was really special with him when you dealt with him, whether it was professionally, personally, he always was that high school coach. <laughs> if, if you could take all the layers away, you know, take off the Packers hat, just put on a regular starter jacket, James Campen, you would have thought he was the, the Bayport High School football coach, just the way yep. he carried himself, how personable he was. Even in the interactions the with the media, you and I covered our share of high school football yeah. games, and in interactions with the media and interviews, it was he was still that high school football coach. When you'd ask him questions, the way he talked about yep. his players, the way he would uh, he would answer those questions and interact, uh, just a, um, a, 
a tremendous guy on a personal level. I'm certainly going to miss him a lot. I know you will too, uh, but certainly wish him the best and, and hope that uh, he continues to find a lot of success uh, in Cleveland. Yeah, two of my favorite stories about Campy. One goes back to 2012, my first official year on the beat. This is back when the Green Bay Packers, the way they handled assistant coaching availability, they would you'd sign up for specific coaches. You'd go interview them in the hallway outside the locker room. Offensive coaches on one day, defensive coaches on the other. Right. So I'm going around with Rob Domofsky, my former colleague who now works at ESPN.com. And we and basically I'm just making the rounds introducing myself. And I introduced myself to Campy. And right away, and he wasn't joking. He's like, oh, so is this, is this your intern, he says to Rob. <laughs> now, mind you, I was 24 years old at the time. I still tend to be a younger-looking fellow, especially on the days I decide to shave. Uh, and so I go... <laughs> And we had a good laugh about it. I'm like, no, I'm actually the new guy that's coming in for Kareem Copeland. I'm going to be the third beat writer here. And we had a good laugh about it. I put it out on Twitter, and I, I don't know how it. I don't know if Campy had Twitter. I don't know if somebody from the PR staff had alerted it to him. But you know, next interaction I had with him, I'm like, oh yeah, so you go and you know put that out there, and I look like the dumb, but right, you know, coach that doesn't know that you're an intern or not. We had a good laugh about it. The second story I want to tell very quickly was after I came on board here in 2016, um, James Campen was one of the guys that I, you know, kind of had bounced some stuff off of about all this stuff. And uh, I was at a, I wrote about this in Insider Inbox. I was at a local pizzeria that I don't think I can actually say the name because of sponsorship deals, but I Campy just happened to be up at the bar uh, waiting for his pizza. I was waiting for mine. And this was probably, I want to say, a couple months into the job. And, and the thing about James Camp, and I'm sure you have experiences like this too, he had a way of listening to you. And I think his mm -hmm. players experienced this too. It wasn't waiting for his turn to speak. It was really clearly listening to what you were feeling. And, and I think he knew my reservations when I came over here with this position. And he knew you know, some of the – it's difficult. You did it too, going from a journalism background to, to working for a website, yeah. uh, a team website. Right. And – he had a way of kind of seeing through me to have those conversations on a deeper level. I will always appreciate it. And, and just being able to get that feedback from him at times, I, I don't know if there's anybody in this building that made me feel more welcome uh, about joining the Green Bay Packers than James Campen and, I doubt he's watching this, but if he is, I have to say thank you to Campy for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll say this about his coaching tenure here as well. A lot of teams – spend first-round draft picks on offensive line. Right. And throughout yeah. Mike McCarthy's tenure here, James Campen only had two first-round draft picks to work with. One was Derek Sherrod, whose career, unfortunately, didn't work out because of a really nasty leg injury at the end of his rookie season. And, and unfortunately, um, that uh, ended things for Derek prematurely. The other one being Brian Balaga. But James Campen has, whether you've given him fourth-round draft picks like Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, and David Bakhtiari, whether you've given him undrafted guys like Lane Taylor, whether you've given him second-round picks like Darren College, he's always had this Packers offensive line in, uh, in tremendous shape, ready to adjust, um, guys being cross-trained at multiple positions, all of that. And uh, I just think he, he deserves a, a ton of credit for what he accomplished. Now people may be wondering, well, well, then why isn't he staying with the Packers? Well, a new head coach comes in. He's going to have yeah. his own ideas. He's going to have ideas of, uh, of people he wants to bring in and, and ways he wants to do things. This is, I mean, the fact that James Campen is leaving is nothing against him. And, uh, and I wish him uh, all the success in Cleveland. But uh, his tenure here as an offensive line coach, you talk to any player who was in that offensive line room with him, 
they have nothing but uh, respect and glowing things to say about him, as you and I do as well. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up the Sherrod thing because that actually does lead me to one more story. I, I don't. So it's it's obviously you get Brian Balaga in the building. He ends up becoming the youngest. Uh, right tackle or whatever it was or starter in Super Bowl history at 21 years old right. in 2010. But I don't you, – you look at Derek Sherrod, for example. Sherrod had a devastating injury. I don't know if there was anyone anywhere in any profession that was more invested into trying to get Derek Sherrod back on the field and make him the player that they thought he could be than, than James Campen. Yeah. Uh, I just – I know how much he cared about Derek – how much he cared about him as a person in trying to help him. Now, ultimately, it didn't work out. But I'll say what I'll say this: it wasn't for a lack of trying from either Sherrod or James Campen's perspective. Right. That meant a lot to him to be able to get him back on a roster, whatever the situation may be, however long he may have lasted. That was a difficult injury, an injury that required two separate surgeries for Sherrod to come back. And those are the stories you don't hear about. Whereas you look at David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari was a fourth-round draft pick in a draft where I believe it was 17 or 18 different offensive linemen, guards, tackles, centers, that were taken ahead of him. Yeah. You go back and look at his scouting page, uh, his NFL.com scouting page, people saying that this guy needs to move to guard. James Campen helped make a franchise, all-pro, Pro Bowl left tackle out of David Bakhtiari, a position that if you redraft that, Bakhtiari is a top five pick, he's maybe a top three pick. Yeah, he's absolutely a top five draft pick if you if you reselect from 2013. And that was where I know a lot of people things went a certain way near the end with Ted Thompson and in you know in frustrations about things, but that was the draft and develop mentality at its finest. Yep. And especially that 2013 draft, J.C. Treader, you know Eddie Lacy, the players, the Packers personnel department in. And Thompson was able to identify and give it to someone like James Camp and that was able to develop him. It's a great story. I think Campy is going to go down as one of the all-time best assistants that this organization has had. Yep. And as you said, though, you wish him luck in the next phase because that's what this game is. It's moving and shaking, <laughs> yep. and now he has a good opportunity in Cleveland. Wish yeah. the best for him. Well, uh, before we go, Wes, I know we've got the conference championships in the AFC and the NFC coming up this weekend. For those uh, who want a little bit more of a breakdown, our previous episode, we talked a lot about what was going on in the playoffs through Divisional Weekend, looking ahead to these conference championships. So quickly here, before we go today, I'm just going to put you on the spot. Who are you picking? I'm going to go with uh, the Saints, and I'm going to go with Kansas City. And I know the stats. I understand how good Tom Brady has been in cold weather. But as I said on the, our previous episode, there's just something about this Kansas City team. Even though Pat Mahomes, the, the coldest game he's ever played in was 27 degrees, and it happened once, there's still something about the way that that team is structured. I think they're going to find a way to win. It will not be easy. You're going to be playing the, the Patriots in all-pro mode, yep. all-Madden mode. But it's going to be exciting to watch. As far as New Orleans, I've said it all along. Why change the statement now? You have to beat them in the Superdome. Nobody's been able to do it. Yeah. I'm, it is I'm, what it is. I'm with you on both games. I've I've been bullish on the New Orleans Saints since last January when I thought they were the best team in the playoffs, and I think they might have won the whole thing if not for that Minneapolis miracle. I think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I don't see them losing in the Superdome. With regards to the Chiefs and the Patriots, I agree with a lot of the things that you said. With regards to the cold weather and Mahomes, young quarterbacks, when they get into that freezing cold weather, 
and I, even if they're not used to it, it doesn't seem to affect them as much, at least from what I've seen, yeah. as um, as the older quarterbacks. Not that Tom Brady is any stranger to cold weather, certainly coming from New England. But I'll also say this. The last two times the New England Patriots have played on the road in the AFC Championship, they lost both of them to the Denver Broncos in 2013 yeah. and in 2015. I've been saying a lot in Insider Inbox and elsewhere there's a lot of this dynasty of the Patriots that has been built on being able to play home games in the playoffs. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just a fact. You look at the number, the vast, large majority of home games they've had in the playoffs. It is what has helped build the dynasty. They are on the road for this one. So I think, uh, I think Kansas City beats them because you look at uh, New England's road record in the postseason over time, they're not really that much better than anybody else when no. they play in the playoffs away from Foxborough. So I'm going with that. I think Kansas City gets to the Super Bowl. And so much was made this past week, Mike, about, or now a week ago, about Sean Payton bringing in the Super Bowl trophy, the money, all that stuff. <laughs> the, with, the piles with of the cash. Saints. Is there anything more motivating right now for Andy Reid than the Lamar Hunt trophy being there right now this week? Oh, my week goodness. Yeah. On the podium with the two helmets. First time that that's happened uh, in, in the, the team that Lamar Hunt built, the, the organization, the stadium, and to have a chance to play for that trophy at your home yeah, venue, your, it doesn't get ballpark. Yeah, no question about it. I think it's going to be a great Sunday of NFL football. Hope everyone enjoys it. I know I will. So Absolutely. With that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage, continuing coverage of what's going on here at 1265 on Packers.com on Twitter. Follow him at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy Championship Sunday. We'll see you next time.